Hi and assalamu alaikum. My name is Raqaya Wright and welcome back to episode 13, season 2 of Breaking Barriers. Today, we'll be talking about scientific miracles in Islam with Miriam Parker. Assalamu alaikum, everyone. I'm back. You know, this is like, well, my fifth, my fourth or fifth time on the podcast. I love you at this point. <laughs> we're basically co-founders, not really, but you know. It's okay, but I'm so excited to be back again. And this is actually, I always say, oh my God, this is my favorite topic. This is my favorite topic. But this really is one of my favorite topics because it just shows you, like, especially in the Quran, when we read about these scientific um, facts, these scientific miracles within the Quran, that that just shows you that science and Islam goes together. I remember there was a situation in like, I think it was like middle school. And my teacher told us, we had like a little debate. So my teacher told us to go on one side of the room if we believed that science and religion went hand in hand and to stand in the other room if it didn't and then uh, stand in the middle if you didn't know. So I was like ignorant. I didn't know. So I thought that science and religion definitely was a no-no. Like they do not go hand in hand. That was because my brain was going into the whole evolution thing and I was just thinking a whole different realm. And then when I was in around 10th or 11th grade, um, and this is the book I'm going to be going off of today too when we're talking, mm-hmm. I read this book and I had to do a paper. So I'm like, you know, let me do a paper. I think it was a persuasion paper and I did it on the scientific facts in the Quran and how we already knew about this over 1400 years ago. And when I wrote this paper, I was just like, subhanAllah, subhanAllah, subhanAllah. Like there's, there's so much that Allah has given us as facts and as proofs and evidences because as human as humans we like to be logical we like we like to see you know why things are the way they, that they are and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given it to us so what are we denying at that point you know what I'm saying so I I really love this topic and I really think after here listening to this you guys you're gonna be like whoa like Islam is the truth no matter what but this just proved it even more literally inshallah. but inshallah Okay, so I'd like to start off talking about um, one of my favorite stories. Like, before, I heard it before when I was little and I used to go to Islamic school. I was like, I think in second grade, I was seven. I heard it for the first time. I never really understood it that much. Like, I understood the significance of it and everything, but I never really, like, understood, like, the science behind it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Until I reheard it again, I think it was either ninth grade or eighth grade. So, so you're saying it was more of like the modern day science because it was written in the Quran, but you're saying like how it connected to modern day science. That's how yeah. you understood it. Okay. I never really under no, I understood like how how like it was in the Quran and the significance of it and the importance of it in the Quran, but I never understood of like the scientific part of it. Okay. Because I was little when I first heard it, but when I heard it again when I was older, I was like oh wait wow subhanallah i could not believe that i'm telling you you guys like it's true listen islam the quran these are all things that we have to reflect upon or it will pass you the meanings everything in it will pass you and you will you will kind of just like oh it will go over your head you know what i'm saying you have to reflect upon the hadith the ayahs the stories you know you have to reflect upon it because you may read it one time or see it one time but you may not understand it fully. And then you might hear it back again. And they're like, oh, wow, I never realized that's what that meant. Or mm-hmm. that had so much meaning to it. Exactly. Let's hear it. I'm excited because I think I heard this when I was also younger. But then I also connected it to like the similarities in science. And I was like, oh, my God. Just like how you said, I had the same reaction. Mm-hmm. So basically, the Prophet Muhammad wasallam was about seven or six years old and he was playing with the kids right all the kids in his community and they were all playing together and then angel jibrail came down from the sky right and prophet muhammad fell to the ground and all the kids ran away and they were screaming and they're like oh my god muhammad is dead muhammad is dead and then um angel jibrail cut prophet muhammad sallallahu chest open and removed his heart and took out this little thing out of his heart and said, that's the amount of evil in you. And he took it out and he threw it. And he put his heart on top of ice. What When he took out his heart, he put it on top of ice, right? Mm-hmm. 
And before he put his heart back in his chest, he poured Zemzem water on it. Right, he cleaned it in Zemzem water. And then he put it back on his chest. Now, let me explain to you the significance of this. Because just hearing it like that, you're like, oh, okay. What is that? Like, right, is you, that- got, you got to bring it back home. Yeah. You have to go, go all but around it. Heart surgeons today, they put your heart on ice to keep it alive while it's outside of your body, right? Right. And Zemzem water at the time had like had a lot of salt in it, right? And a lot of and heart surgeons before they put your heart back in your body to like reactivate it or to restart it up, because I never really understood that part. I had to ask my mom. She used to be a pharmacist right? mm-hmm. to restart it back up and to like put life back into it. I guess right. They take electrolytes and they pour it on it. And the Zemzem water had a lot of salt in it, so it had a lot of electrolytes in it. And they poured, and he poured the Zemzem water on his heart and put it back in his chest and sewed it back up in a perfect line. SubhanAllah. When I heard that story, I was like, SubhanAllah, I could not believe. Yeah, and this is a hadith. You can search it up. I'm trying to find the actual hadith, but if you can, if you can put it up at the, at the end so people can go and find it. Yes, I'll put it. That would be perfect. Go. But that's just, it's like, it's like mind boggling. Cause like, I feel like so many things that we read in hadith or we read in the Quran, it seems like we can't fathom the idea of that happening in front of us is because we're so limited minded. You know what I'm saying? Our mind is limited. Yeah, exactly. Cause I feel like as humans, we need proof to understand. Like, we, yeah, we'll hear it, but then we're like, oh, but I want to see the evidence. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. But it's like that can even be scary too because it's like you can't exactly be like, okay, show me an ayah that says this specifically because sometimes it's, it's not there, but that's just a part, you know what I'm saying? I don't know how to describe it. Like, um, like even in, in Surah Baqarah, the last couple ayahs when it says, um, we, we, we hear and we obey. So nowadays we have to, I feel like now we're like, okay, we need to see proof. A lot of the companions, Haba, back then they heard the Prophet said him say something mm-hmm. and they and they listened and they obeyed. They weren't like, hmm, but I need something else. You know what I'm saying? I need something else to prove it. But mm-hmm. nowadays we don't we're we're far from the Prophet Sallam. So, you know, we want to make sure we're not taking in the incorrect knowledge and stuff. So we just need a little bit more just for our heart, just for our nest. Yeah. Take it in, you know, and, and not I, let the, it, the West West and Shaytan take over as well, make us like disbelieve in that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I feel like that's why the Quran is so important because it's literally live it's like proof. It's the word of Allah, right? It's literal proof of everything for you. Exactly. And it's written proof. It was such a good reminder. One of our family friends was like um, we were having a little halakha and she said you know how uh, there's like a saying that goes around you have to experience it to understand it yeah so she was basically saying the quran is there for you to read and understand it so you don't have to experience it first so exactly. people, the people that were destroyed hundreds of years ago for um different reasons you can learn from that without actually having to experience like why would you have to go through that why go through sin why go through that hardship to be like okay now I understand what it's like. You don't have to do that. The Quran is there. The stories are there for you to understand it and for you to take it in and for you to learn from it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. And it's physical proof for you. It is. See, it's, oh my God. It's, I'm getting chills. Literally, subhanAllah. Like, it's there for you. Like, like what are we, in the, even in Surah Rahman, like, what favors of your Lord do you deny? And this ayah is said so many times throughout the Quran, and especially in Surah Al-Rahman, because yeah. it just shows, like, what what are you denying? It, it, it's all right here. What are you denying? Like, you can't even bring some a fourth of, like, an ayah. You know, you can't make it up. It's not made up. This is the perfect words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know? And the Quran, it cannot be destroyed either. Which is what I feel like. It can't be destroyed. It cannot be altered. Mm-hmm. So many of these religions or books have either been replaced with something or things have been taken out of, things have been put in. The Quran is, is in its perfect form from when it began. Yeah, exactly. Because the Quran is not just to be read or to look pretty on a shelf. Mm-hmm. It's memorized and it lives in the heart of believers. That's why it cannot be altered or changed. Mm-hmm. SubhanAllah. And I think um, a lot of times, you know, I mean, obviously we're, me and you, 
and everyone else too around our age we're we're young we're still learning you know we may people may ask us questions we don't know the answer to but yeah. just just remember that that should not make you feel ashamed or make you feel dumb or you know make your iman go low just know that you're not going to know everything about our religion and that's why you go to someone who knows more someone who can explain it better because i remember i was in a philosophy class and i i do not recommend taking it if you do not have to especially if you feel like this is going to be an unnecessary test for you you know we're not supposed to go and look for unnecessary trials you know fitna mm-hmm. unnecessary fitna so i remember um we had to do like a discussion board about basically proving the existence of god like i don't need to prove anything to you but that was one of our basically our assignments and our professor basically was saying that you can't use any type of emotional appeal to it and stuff and for me like when I'm talking to other muslims it's just we all can relate on it to a certain level so i after that class i felt like oh my god do i not know what i'm saying so i remember i was talking to um i forgot what his name was oh his name was um imam suleiman hani and he's um he's a pretty famous speaker and he basically was saying Um he was explaining to me how I could have explained that situation better and he kind of gave me tips and stuff about that because I felt like I don't know what to say how can I quote-unquote convince these people but it was like I was just going in too deep into it but just moral of the story don't feel ashamed don't feel discouraged if someone asks you a question about your religion about your deen and you genuinely don't know just say you don't know instead of maybe you actually maybe making something up and you actually don't know and that could even lead the person away from Islam and be like have a, yeah. a negative mindset you know I feel like a one thing that I always bring up when people ask me oh prove the existence of god is that cuz people always say oh the universe the way it was created the big bang happened an explosion happened from nothing how did nothing create something exactly and that one nashid was like it's like 0 plus 0 plus 0 could never possibly equal 1 you know what i'm saying and i think a lot of people and you get when you're in the moment you're like oh my god what do i say what do i say what do i say and that's yeah. why you have to build that foundation of aqida and we have to build it so it's strong so when we are asked questions like this whether someone's actually being ignorant or they you know they actually just saying things to get on your nerves you're able to come back with a good comeback you know what i'm saying and you're not stuttering you you have a straight answer and so that's where i'm trying to be in charge of like we have so much more to it's, learn but we have it there you know what i'm saying the foundation is there yeah exactly and i feel exact same way i'm trying to learn the same thing too mm-hmm. we're all on the same journey i'm telling you we really are so like even if you guys are listening to this and saying like mashallah like bakaya and mariam they know this much this much you guys we don't know anything okay we know from what we've been taught and things that we've been implementing throughout our lives but it also comes from experiences from maybe dealing with people like this and then also it kind of saying okay you know what we need to research more about this because i feel like i don't know much about this and also you never know enough so keep on learning you know your favorite subject maybe math maybe english maybe science all of these subjects you strive to learn more so when it comes to your deen comes to your religion make sure you're finding the right people you're listening to the right books and the right um knowledge from where you're getting this information and keep on striving i feel like it's so fun to learn more and it's so interesting to learn more about a religion and also can be scary because you know you may find things out that you did not know but that is to push you to do better for your akhirah and to understand that this deed this dunya is temporary you know we shouldn't keep it in our hearts we should keep it in our hand like the saying says yeah exactly and that's not saying you don't have to have things in this world you can have things that make you happy in this world mm-hmm. but it's what are they doing for you are they going to help you in the end at the end of the day, are they going to help you or are they going to harm you are they going to better you in this life and the next or are they just going to lift you up in this life and that's all they're good for exactly and even um I found myself doing this more especially when making dua asking for something asking for it to be good in your dunya and your akhirah not just for your dunya because like I said it's temporary so mm-hmm. if you're asking for something that will benefit you in your akhirah then you will actually be more successful why because the akhirah is forever this dunya is temporary we're going to leave this dunya we're not going to be here forever so make sure when you're making dua <clears throat> even if it's something that you desire because we want so many things but make sure you're actually asking for something that's not something it's just a simple satisfaction and it's gone you know it's not what we want in the, especially as muslims we want things that are long lasting inshallah inshallah
But yeah, should I go into the, okay, since you mentioned that story, which we got, I'm telling you, we just got into it because it's just, it's something that we ponder upon and it's like, subhanAllah, you know, it's something, it's something big and it's something we're able to like, our brains are like, I feel like our hearts are at ease when we hear things like this as well, because it, it's like even more evidence for us. Yeah, when I hear things like this, it makes, I don't know how to explain it to you, but it sends a chill through my whole body, <laughs> my heart like shake. Exactly. And it's like, I wish I could like let me proclaim this to the world and say like this you guys but you know that you know Allah SWT, he will guide who he will and none can um, misguide him unless he, he he will and none can misguide him unless who he, he's chosen to misguide you know so it's not really our choice but sometimes I feel like oh my god I just want to show people that this is the haq this is the truth you know but it's hard to because a lot of people Allah SWT, has sealed their hearts mm-hmm. you know and so, okay, so I wanted to go into the next one. And this is um, this is a book. Um, it's called A Brief Illustrated Guide to Understanding Islam. And this is uh, written by I.A. Ibrahim. I'm not sure his first name. <clears throat> but this was the book that I made my essay on. And I was like, I wanted to go through and find some things and take out. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so the first thing I wanted to go over was um, in the Quran, Allah SWT talks about the human embryonic development so basically like the, the fetus how it grows i love this i'm this telling topic. you you guys I are not ready love. you're not ready for this okay people Every are not ready because i tell you it gives me chills and it makes my eyes tear up it's so beautiful and i feel like people are not ready for this because when i read this and obviously we learn about it when we're reading the Quran when we're younger but when you read it again when you're older you have a whole different mindset and frame you know what I'm saying? So, in the Quran, Allah... Oh, yeah, go ahead. No, I was supposed to say, every time I hear this, I'll tell you, I get the same reaction. I'm so shocked every time. May Allah continue to allow us to have these reactions and never feel like, you know, go over our head. Allow us to, like, contemplate upon these verses every time we listen to it, inshallah. Inshallah. Okay, so in the Quran, Allah talks about the man's, um, humankind's embryonic development. So, in Surah Al-Mu'minun, أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ولقد خلقنا الإنسان من سلالة من طين and indeed we created humankind from an extractive clay ثم جعلناه نطفة في في قرار مكين then placed each human as a sperm drop in a secure place ثم خلقنا نطفة علقة فخلقنا فخلقنا العلقة Sorry. And you guys, I'm still learning. I'm still definitely going over the ayah. So if I make a mistake, it's okay. And just remember, you guys, when you make mistakes when you're reciting Quran, you are still getting edged. Okay? And so this last ayah is saying, Then we developed the drop into a clinging clot of blood. Then developed the clot into a lump of flesh. Then developed the lump into bones. Then clothed the bones with flesh. Then we brought into in into being as a new creation so blessed is Allah the best of creators and so when you break this ayah down and there's pictures in this book that I wish I could show you guys because it literally show it it just proves it more than just hearing this ayah and so literally the Arabic word alaqa has three meanings so the first one is a leech the second one is a suspended thing and the third is a blood clot so comparing the leech to an embryo in the alaqa stage we find the similarity of both of them and again they show pictures in the book but it talks about the embryo at this stage obtains nourishment from the blood of its mother similarly to a leech which feeds on the blood of others so that's the um similar similarity of those two then the second meaning of the word alaqa is a suspended thing and the suspension of the embryo during the alaqa stage in the womb of the mother and that's the similarity between those two mm-hmm. and the third it talks about um alaqa can be described as a blood clot and we find that the external appearance of the embryo and its sacs during the alaqa stage is actually very similar to that of a blood clot and then um, the next stage is 
um, I was my, I was like having uh, trouble saying my Arabic, but I think it's mudra. This is the mudra stage, and it can be described in Arabic like a chewed stub, a chewed substance. So if someone were to take a piece of gum and to chew on it in his or her mouth, and then compare it to the embryo at the mudra stage, it would literally look very similar. And that's why they call um, Allah Taala chooses that word mudra because it's as a chewed substance. And in the actual uh, book, it shows you a picture of the embryo at that stage, and then a piece of gum. And you know how your teeth marks make like a uh, those like little uh, like lines. It rem- it looks like a spine in a way. And the picture when I saw it, I was like, oh my goodness, Subhanallah. So that's that's one right there. And so we have to say about that, Rakaya. I feel like I was talking the whole time. That's oh my. <laughs> when I tell you, it's literally so amazing to think about, and just like envision and picture in your mind, because. 1400 years ago these words were revealed mm-hmm. 1400 years ago way before people knew how babies were made way before people like knew how they were like actually like how they developed and how they slowly grew inside of you exactly and back then they did not have the scientific technology so tell me that where they didn't have ultrasounds or any of that stuff to look at it they and- didn't and people say, you know, the Prophet made this up. He could not read. <laughs> he could not read. So how are you going to, you know what I'm saying? It's like, oh my God, people say things like that. It's like it's out of ignorance because they don't know or they're, they're afraid of the truth. Yeah, exactly. Because how can someone who cannot read, cannot <clears throat> make it up and invent the Quran, astaghfirullah, how could that happen? Exactly. Possible. And like throughout the Quran, Allah Taala says things people will say back then the ignorant statements people have said back then people say today and we will say something like you know what Allah has, has mentioned this in the Quran and that's how you just know they're wrong you know what I'm saying yeah exactly and then that's, the next oh yeah go ahead oh actually I think you're about <laughs> what I was about to mention so go ahead no 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 you go ahead and say it. maybe I, maybe it's wrong <laughs> maybe I was okay. gonna say that. so I was about to say that a lot of the times back in the day people used to hate um women and be like oh it's your fault you're giving me a son oh i don't want a son this and that right mm-hmm. literally the gender of a child comes from the man you know what i mean yeah the gender is in the sperm cells it's not in the i remember learning i remember reading something about that i forgot like what the exact wording was but i know exactly what you're talking about so I just thought it was to like know about that and to see how they used to say, oh, it's so crazy that it's so crazy that it's the man that has the gender and not the women. They like even sometimes now how men blame women for, oh, it's your fault. I didn't get a son. It's your fault. I didn't get a son. But it's not their fault. They didn't get a son. They and also that's qadr of Allah. You know. What that, I mean? Yeah, I was about to say one. It's the qadr of Allah, and I just found it so funny how the gender of the child they don't they have the gender of the child in them, not the woman. You know what right. I mean? Mm-hmm. Wow, Subhanallah. So, okay, the next thing I was gonna mention after that was um the mountains being described in the Quran. And so in Surah An-Naba, um, ayah 6 and 7, Allah SWT says, أَلَمْ نَجْعَلِ الْأَرْضَ مِهَادَ Have we not smoothed out the earth, or like have we not made the earth as a bed? وَالْجِبَالَ أَوْتَادَ And made the mountains as pegs. And so, again, there's pictures in here I wish I could show you guys. And basically, uh, it's the, the most suitable word peg that Allah SWT says in the Qur'an if you look at the pictures, it, it's kind of like the mountains, the way they're structured, it looks as if there's pegs holding it up. And mm-hmm. so um, another ayah, and this is Surah Nahal, and this is ayah, um, I'm going to say ayah 15. Yes, ayah 15. Allah SWT says, وَأَلْقَى فِي الْأَرْضِ رَوَاسِيَ أَن تَمِيدَ بِكُمْ وَأَنْهَارًا وَسُبُلًا لَعَلَّكُمْ تَهْدَدُونَ and he has cast into the earth firmly set mountains, lest it shift with you and made rivers and roads that you may be guided. 
And so Allah SWT is talking about that as well, about how the mountains also play an important role in st- stabili- stabili- st- stabilizing the crust on the earth and they hinder the shaking of the earth because that's when earthquakes start. Mm-hmm. And so when I saw that, and um, another thing in this book was talking about the modern theory of plate tectonics that we learn in about like middle school, high school about the mountains holds that mountains work as stabilizers as well for the earth. And this knowledge about the role of um, mountains as stabilizers for the earth just began around the late 1960s. And the Quran had already mentioned this, you know. Wow. You know, I didn't. I heard about that once. This is my second time hearing about this again. And I literally forgot that. I forgot. Until you just mentioned it and you reminded me. Wow. Exactly. And in the book, also, the author says, could anyone during the time of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu have known of the oh, true shape yes. of mountains? Could anyone imagine the solid, massive mountain which he sees before him actually extends deep into the earth and has a root, as scientists affirm today? Modern geology truly confirmed the truth of uh, of the Quranic verses that Allah Taala says in Surah Nahal and Surah Naba and throughout the Quran. Honestly, it's so true because they weren't archaeologists. Um, no. they fortunately, but they cannot go underground to see how deep the mountain went. They couldn't right. exactly. And then, um, the next one, I'm not sure, I think a lot of people um, know this ayah, but have not uh reflected on it in this aspect. But mm-hmm. in the Quran, um, this next part, we're going to talk about the parts of the brain, and so the specific part of the brain that we're going to talk about is the cerebrum. Hopefully I'm saying that correctly. Yeah. And so um, in Surah Alaq, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Kalla la in lam yantahila nasfam bin nasia, nasia tin kadi batin khafia. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, No, if he does not stop from sinning, we will take him by the nasia, which is the front of the head, a lying, sinful nasia, front of the head. And so um, in the book, um, the author says, so why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describe the front of the head as being lying and sinful? Why didn't the Quran say that the person was lying and sinful? What is the relationship between the front of the head and being lying and sinful? And so um, it was in research that showed the area of the cerebrum is responsible for planning, motivating, and initiating good and sinful behavior, and is responsible for telling of lies and the speaking of truth. And so that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, now see a lying sinful forelock. And I was like, oh my goodness. Like that was like mind blown. Girl, I'm mind blown right now. Yes. And it has a, it, like in the book, it shows you the different parts of the brain. And then it, it shows you the prefrontal area and just different areas and what they're responsible for. Cause I think I only learned about like in, in science, a specific part of it, but this just goes in depth and also in this book i love how it takes different books like non-muslims have written and it mm-hmm. compares it to the quran and these books are from like the late 1900s early 2000s maybe 1800 like it's it's not as far back as the quran has been i'm just like still mind blown by what you just said because i never thought about it like that like i read the meaning of the book but i never ever like when yeah. i tell you I never thought about it like that. <laughs> and oh. that's and that's why as well I feel like everyone needs to read the tafsir of the Quran because maybe the translation you're reading is giving you the actual definition, right? But also going in the tafsir, it gives you even more in depth of what the ayah is talking about. And it just makes you like, oh my goodness, you know. I never like thought about the science behind that. I never knew that part of your brain. That's what it was for. Yes. Subhanallah. Like, God, subhanAllah. <laughs> Rakaya is mind blown. I told you guys, you guys aren't ready. But All episodes are going to be saying subhanAllah. Right, exactly. And I feel like we have, you know, I've met a lot of people, especially in like middle school, high school, people who love to debate, right? But then it's like, you know what? Like, get it. We all love to be right. We all love to debate. But at this mm-hmm. time, the Quran is here to humble you. It's not, you know what I'm saying? It's to kill that arrogance. And it's to just for you to look at it and just be like, subhanallah like this is greater than us like we are a small portion of Allah's creation you know what I'm saying exactly there's so many things even like the little things that are that make up us those it's crazy to think about like wow subhanallah 
Let me see what I'll say for Anna because there's so many that I was like, I don't want to go into too depth. But there, mm-hmm. I'm telling you, this book, if you guys are able to get it, it's called A Brief Illustrated Guide to Understanding Islam. And it talks about, I think, six or seven. But obviously, there's way more that I think people have written about or, can, you know, taken from. But these mm-hmm. are like the main ones a lot of people know about. And so I wanted to talk about, I think, one more. And this is the seas and the rivers in the Quran. And I think, this is, I think you know about this one because everyone I talks about, about this one. <clears throat> so in Surah Ar-Rahman, Allah SWT says, مَرَجَ الْبَحْرَيْنِ يَلْتَقِيَانِ بَيْنَهُمَا بَرْزَخٌ لَا يَبْغِيَانِ So Allah SWT says, He has set free the two seas meeting together. There is a barrier between them. They do not transgress. And so Allah SWT talks about the, um, the barrier between the two seas. And I want to say this is the, yep, the Atlantic Ocean Sea and the Mediterranean Sea. And you can literally search, just search up literally on Google. Atlantic Sea and the Mediterranean Sea, you will see that they do not cross each other. Like they don't go into each other, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then um, and that was in Surah Al-Rahman. And then also in Surah Al-Furqan, Allah SWT says, Mahjura. And Allah SWT says he is the one who has set free the two kinds of water. One is sweet, one is sweet and palatable, and the other is salty and bitter. And he has made between them a barrier and a forbidding partition. He has forbade these two from going into each other. And like I said, just seeing those pictures on Google, it just shows you, you know, and imagine being able to visit and just looking at it. You know, I literally just searched it up right now, man. Yes. Just everyone search it up literally search it up. because I just looked at it right now and oh my god Allah <laughs> I cannot wow and it like talks it, about how and you can pre- see like the clear divide I'm so sorry no 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 literally I was, I was about to say the same exact thing you can see the clear divide and um obviously people who study I forgot what they what they're called people who actually study in depth of like water and all that stuff it it shows that um I'm not sure how to say this word but it shows it shows that modern science have discovered I want to say asteries I don't know how to say that word but it's basically where the fresh the sweet water and the salt water meet but they don't go into each other the situation is somewhat different from what is found in places where two seas meet but mm-hmm. it has been discovered that what distinguishes fresh water from salt water in the these asteries is a a pike a pike zone which is um, a marked density discontinuity separating the two layers so the partition which is a zone of separation that Allah mentions in the Quran has a different salinity from the fresh water and from the salt water so that's what makes that distinction between the both of them and the thing is like how can you say Allah is, does not exist and Islam is not real when literally how does the salt water and the fresh water not mixed like come on you told me a human did even, that like somehow no like no even scientists don't fully understand why the salt water and the fresh water does not mix it doesn't it doesn't mix like come on like they they've been trying to do it for years they've been trying to separate the salt water separate the salt from the salt water to make it fresh water and they still can't make it happen mm-hmm. yeah exactly. um, i think it's i think it's ocean oceanography that's like the study of the ocean yeah i think so stuff. And it's like, oh, and he lives, he literally cites different books. And these are people who are non-Muslim. He's citing these books and he's comparing it to the Quran. They're giving us free resources here right now, okay? They're just showing us. And so, like, someone who is studying Islam, you see that there's no contradiction. You know what I'm saying? But also from the pure, from, from the pure science. Because some people, you know, nowadays they have all of these new theories and stuff for what this means, what that means. Obviously, that doesn't go in in line and coincide with what we believe. But if mm-hmm. you truly look at Islam gave science its name. You know what I'm saying? It's not science gave Islam its name. Yeah, exactly. Because Islam literally made science. Exactly. Exactly. You know what? Actually, I can go over maybe, maybe two more. Maybe I can go over two more. Okay, this one I feel like you also know. And um, let me go over. I'm not going to be able to read that out of the part because I think we're running out of time. But I'm going to try to just go over the best I can. And so this part is talking about the clouds. 
And so, um, you know, the cumulonimbus clouds. So I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. But mm-hmm. basically, they go through the following steps to produce rain. This is this is basically just talking from science. This is what happens when clouds mm-hmm. produce rain for the cumulonimbus <laughs> clouds. Mm-hmm. So basically, they're pushed by the wind. So um, they begin to form when wind pushes small pieces of the clouds. Um, and this is a cumulus clouds to an area where the clouds will converge over each other. And then the next step is where the clouds join together, forming a larger cloud. And then the third is they begin to stack and the small clouds join together, updrafts within the larger cloud increase. And then the center of the cloud, begin, um, it starts, it's stronger than um, those of the edges. And this is when they start to stack on top of each other and vertically. And so once the cloud is stacked up, then it shows that their drops of water and hail formulate and begin to grow larger and larger. And so when these drops of water and hail begin to uh, be- become too heavy for, uh, for the updrafts to support them, they begin to fall from the cloud as rail, hail, etc. Rain, hail, etc. And so in the Quran, Allah says, this is in chapter 24. I'm not sure what, ayah, um, what surah that is, but chapter 24, ayah 43, and you can find that anywhere. You can just search it up, chapter 24. Allah says, have you not, <clears throat> have you not seen how God makes the clouds move gently, then joins them together, then makes them into a stack, and then you see the rain come out of it? Like, come on. Like, come on. He, he is literally giving you, said, you the three steps. I have 40, you said? Oh. So go to, um, go to Surah 24. Tell me what Surah that is. And then I have 43. Okay. And while she's searching that up, I'm going to uh, tell you guys about how, like, meteorologists have only recently come to know these details of the cloud formation, structure, and function by using advanced equipment like satellites, computers, balloons, planes, and all of that. So it's Noor? Surah Noor. Ayah 43. <clears throat> yep. And then I'm going to read the second part of uh, Surah Noor, the, uh, Ayah 20, uh, Ayah 43 of Surah Noor. Um, and he sends down hail from mountains, the clouds in the sky, and he strikes with it whoever, who, whomever he wills and turns it from whoever he wills. The vivid flash of its lightning nearly blinds the sight. And so just the fact that Allah not only says it in the exact order that we're reading now, it just shows you that the Quran said it first, okay? The Quran said it first. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> All right. Yep. So like seeing that formation, I remember when I was writing my paper, like I'm pretty sure we had like a word limit or like a page limit. And I kept going because it just shows you like, is this is proof right here. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Okay. Let me see. How about we do one more? Yeah. Which of yeah. your favors of your Lord will you deny? Mm-hmm. And that is it. Yes. That, that I, uh, when I hear that, it's like, okay, so what what are we denying? You know what I'm saying? Which of the favors of your Lord are you denying? It doesn't make sense, you know? It's like, <clears throat> it's actually so crazy. Because the thing is also, scientists over the years, they've tried to build robots, all this stuff. Robots cannot think for this. <laughs> right. They just have a conscious. Why do they not have a conscious? They may build them a heart and they may build them a brain. And that's it's nothing like the creation of Allah has made it is is a heart perfect. and a brain. No, yep. Yeah, all they say is always function as a heart and a brain, right? Yeah. But we have intellect. We have something that Allah has given us called intellect. And these, you know what I'm saying, these robots don't have that. Or even if you're trying to, I don't know how they construct robots and stuff, but it's not the same. Yeah. You know? And why aren't robots alive? Why don't they have free will? Why can't they think for themselves? Why can't they function for themselves without you telling them what to do? They don't have. Exactly. They don't have a conscience. They don't have a soul. Mm-hmm. And you can't just create that out of thin air. Exactly. Oh, I can create that. SubhanAllah. I'm telling you, it's like, it's like, it's so funny because like I read all this stuff and I'm like, you know, I can debate someone right now and show them every single proof. And it's like, like I mentioned before, if Allah has sealed their hearts, no matter how much proof you give someone, they will not understand or they will not take it. So, like, you have to understand how blessed you are to have Islam and to be able to understand it. And when you're reading the Quran, you're saying, you know, this is truth. This is the truth. This is the correct way. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And and also understanding when doubts and stuff seep into your mind, 
this is from Shaytan. And if you're able to differentiate, like, these are not my thoughts. These are thoughts. This is the Weswesa, the whispers of Shaytan. You're able to, you you move different. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then I wanted to, I think we have time to mention one more too. I feel like this one's very interesting. This one was okay. a new one. From- I mean, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to use it. I'm going to say this last one. I think maybe there's one. More. I'm going to use this last one that we can kind of wrap up. But um, this is another one where it talks about the deep seas and the internal waves within the Quran. And so this is also in Surah Nur, but this is in Ayah 40. And Allah SWT says in the Quran, or the unbelie- or for the unbeliever's state, is like the darkness in a deep sea. It is covered by waves above which are waves, above which are clouds. Darkness, darknesses, one above another. Another. If a man stretches out his hand, he cannot see it. And so... In this book, uh, the author says this verse mentions the darkness found in deep seas and oceans, where if someone were to take out their hand, they cannot see it. The darkness in a deep sea and oceans is found around a depth of 200 meters and below. At this depth, there is almost no light at all. So like you literally cannot see. And so scientists have recently discovered this darkness by a means of special equipment and submarines, which they have gone able to dive in and go down and see the depths of the oceans. So when Allah Taala is, he's not only describing what it is, but he's comparing it to a, a, unbelie- a disbeliever state. He's saying it's like mm-hmm. the darkness of a deep sea covered by waves upon waves upon uh, above which are clouds. So he's describing someone by just talking about his signs, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And that's just, wow. It just, it, it, again, all of these, reading all this just makes me mind blown. And it really is like an Iman booster for you. You know what I'm saying? It really is. And you know what I just realized? But I never thought about before. Imagine the rahma of Allah, the mercy of Allah. When you think about this, right? Yeah. It's dark. It's so dark. You can't see anything under there, right? Yep. Look at the fishes that live that low. They all have these little lights on top. Oh, that's true. Mm -hmm. So they can see and know their path. Subhanallah. I'm I'm telling you. (laughs) <laughs> like if if this wasn't enough for you, I don't know what can what else can it be because you know and even like what you said about um the mercy I have to there is the hadith and this I just found it right now too this was narrated by Abu Huraira um radiallahu anhu um and this is reported that the messenger of Allah subhanahu wa taala says Allah has divided his mercy into one hundred parts and he retained with him ninety nine parts and sent down to earth one one part of his mercy. And through this one part, creatures deal with one another with compassion so much that an animal lifts its hoof over its young, lest it lest it should hurt it. So it's like, it's it's so beautiful because like we we see so much of Allah's mercy in this dunya, but this is not it. You know what I'm saying? This is not it. This is not it's, all that Allah has. His mercy is infinite. You know? Yeah. Just... It's so crazy to just think about, like, I don't know how you could deny Islam after this. I, I don't. Like, I'm just saying, listen, I don't know how you could deny it, but if you still are, hey, you know, then we did our part. <laughs> but it's like, this is even a small, but I have to, you have to understand too, like, especially from someone who obviously has not been raised Muslim or born Muslim, mm-hmm. they obviously have their own mindset of things that are true. So obviously it's not going to be like a, a turn on button for some people and for some people it will be Allah SWT can guide people by by just saying by just saying kun fayukun like it will happen mm-hmm. you know but for some people it may take a longer point of time you know so if, if you guys do know someone who is interested in Islam and they need those proofs or evidences the first thing is talking about what we believe and talking about that foundation because I think a lot of people when they learn about Islam or people talk about Islam they go straight into the rulings and that's not how the Prophet said I'm taught Islam I you feel know? like the thing is about modern day society. I mean, people, they just want you to know what's haram, what's halal, what's haram, what's halal. But the thing is that I feel like you need to talk about Allah's mercy first. You have to because that always outweighs it. And then you also are going to, you, you slowly learn about these other things as well. But also because most of us, alhamdulillah, were born Muslim, we learned that foundation at a young age. So now we're 15, 16, 17, 18 plus. These things are already ingrained in us. It's nothing that we like second guess. Yeah. Someone who but has, I feel like, yeah. Oh, oh sorry. No, no, go ahead. Also, some Muslims, 
not some Muslims, but some parents, they raise their kid like telling you this time, time, you cannot do this. Exactly. But they don't tell them ever about the mercy of Allah. They don't tell them ever about the beauty of Islam. They only tell them about what's haram, haram, it's haram. And, and I think, and I think also, sorry to cut you off as well. Mm-hmm. I think people don't understand that Islam is not just for like a single person. Islam truly can save a community. It truly is good for society as a whole. Mm-hmm. If Islam truly, and again, right now we live in like a society that I'm not saying it's all bad, but there's so much, there's so much fitna, there's so much things that are going on, so much corruption in society. And Islam, even hundreds of years ago, came and changed that when they were bur- when they were burying girls. The girls, because they didn't, they, I guess they saw it as like a burden. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about the punishment of people who did that. And and there's an honor within having a daughter. There's hadith that talks about raising, you know, I think it's the three daughters or the mm-hmm. two daughters well, right? And it's like, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, like, Islam came to save so many types of people. And for, for people to under, people need to understand that because it can, it truly, I'm not going to say it can, it will mm-hmm. change a society. It will change a community, but for, it's also, I feel like it's, it, it's our part as well to be able to be that small change of, mm-hmm. you know, showing our character, showing our akhlaq, showing our adab, our manners, that can be our smallest ounce of da'wah because, um, the beautiful thing I saw on Instagram, it was like, um, Oh, non-Muslim woman, she posted on Facebook about how uh, she, I think it was like her Muslim neighbor, and she was describing his character, and she was saying that's how she viewed Islam, was by his character. So mm-hmm. that's, that's, the, that's the most beautiful thing, because akhlaq, uh, character, that is, that's a part of our religion. It's not like two separate entities. It goes hand in hand. Because like Islam, it's a way of life. It tells you everything you need to know. Everything. everything. And what I often find a lot of people say oh but this muslim is not exactly the best person or this muslim doesn't do this or this muslim does that but the thing is that islam is and they're saying oh that means islam is not perfect but the thing is islam is perfect people are not perfect yeah but islam itself is perfect exactly and so um there were oh my god there was a spoken word and it oh my god this is very beautiful spoken word and uh, I forgot what it was called. I think it was a part of Button Poetry. And they were talking about basically when certain situations, when it comes to other religions, we don't blame the religion as a, as a whole. We blame the person. Mm-hmm. But so for some ironic reason, whenever something happens with it, with someone who identifies as Muslim, I'm going to say identify because mm-hmm. we don't know Allah if they are or are they are not. Someone who mm-hmm. identifies as Muslim and they do something that is against society norms or they do something that's actually something forbidden within our religion as well as it is in other religions, they, they choose Islam to be the all for all. They're like, no, Islam is the religion that's making you do this. But it's like, hmm, that you, we don't have that same energy with these other religions. And it's yeah. hard, you know? It's like, why are you denying this? It doesn't make sense. And then this one girl, yes, not yesterday, a couple of days ago in school, she was talking about Islam. Uh, and we just happened, and me and my friend just happened over here. And she was like, oh, and she's Muslim, right? Mm-hmm. But sometimes Muslims have the wrong idea of what Islam is too. Because she was like, oh, um, you know, in Islam, women have to obey their husband. She uses an example. Oh, if your husband tells you to bark like a dog, then you must bark like a dog. See? And um, I'm telling you, when you actually learn about this, when you, when you read books about marriage, when you read books about the rights of the woman and the rights of the man, you know that the man is not supposed to use any type of, uh, like, use his rights to, to defame his wife or to disrespect his wife. Yeah. In the Quran, Allah SWT has made men at a higher degree. That does not mean that women are, like, we're oppressed. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We have differences for a reason. And you can see the scientific differences. If we're talking about science. There are scientific differences between men and women. And Allah SWT has made legislation for certain things for certain reasons that maybe you That's... cannot understand. Honestly. You maybe some... understand that. It's like, Allahu alam. Allah knows the reason. You don't know everything. People love that. And it's like I was like, give me, show me a, show me a religion that you know every single thing. You know the, the knowledge of every single thing. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't make sense. Even just like in, what's it called? Surah Baqarah, the first few ayah, the first ayah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the way how I just blanked. Oh my God! Wait. <laughs> But um, Alif Lam Mim, right? Mm-hmm. Those first, no one knows what it means. 
no person on this earth knows what it means. Only Allah knows what that means. Exactly. Certain things are like that. And that's why what's it called? The pillars of um the pillars of faith. Mm-hmm. The belief in the unseen. That's one of them. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. as people we don't know everything. There's so many things. And that's why there is the ghaib, which is the unseen. And there's so much within just that realm in general, especially when we talk about like um, in your prayer, when, you know, there's a dua where you uh, seek refuge from the four, the four evils, you know, and not the four evils, you seek refuge from the four. So um, from the grave, from the fitna of, you know, this world, from the fitna of uh, the Dajjal and from Jahannam. So when you when you talk about um, the fitna of the or not fitna of the grave but the punishments of the grave, my bad, the punishments of the grave, you don't even know what's going to happen. Yes, in, in hadith they um, it's mentioned to us, but we can we can read so much and still not understand. We can read so much and still not be able to visualize it because it's the right, it's the unseen for a reason, mm-hmm. you know. And so there there's times that maybe like okay, but I don't understand this. You don't have to understand it. You have to you have to take it, and I think a lot of people take this as like we follow things blindly. But I don't take it as that because, like I said, in the Quran, in Surah Baqarah, um, I want to say it's Samana wa Taana. These people we we heard and we obeyed. Mm-hmm. So it's like we are so far from that. I'm telling you, a lot of people are just really far from that. And I have to say, me myself too. Like I feel like a lot of the times we need that quote unquote evidence, we need that quote unquote like structure of what mm-hmm. of what we're looking for. You know what I'm saying? But but I just like, yeah. um, sorry for cutting off. Finish what you're saying. Mm-mm, no, you go ahead. I was just rambling at this point. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't rambling. Yeah. You were speaking facts, Miriam. <laughs> but what I was going to say was that basically a lot of the times I feel like in society, when you see something on the news, you see something on social media, people are so quick to pick it up and run with it. Oh, yeah, definitely. But when you hear truth, when you hear the facts, when you hear about religion, people are like, Mm, but I want to hear both sides. Mm, I'm not sure exactly. I need evidence. I need proof. Yeah. But as soon as you see a post or someone who's like your fave on social media, you hear them say something and they may be wrong and they may be lying to your face. You just take it and you run with it and you take it and you believe it. The people are so quick to believe. It's like the second time. Okay. <laughs> everything is saved, right? Yeah, everything was okay, safe. Go okay. ahead. So, what I'm is that people are so quick to run with lies and things that are fake and believe hypocrites and believe people who lie to their face. But the truth, when it's in front of them, evidence, even when you do give them evidence sometimes, they still won't believe you. And that is also very important. And I say also, like you mentioned about uh, like taking or like learning or like I, we meant to, sorry, about the truth. I feel like also I, I recommend everyone to research also the, the biggest signs of the day of judgment and like the minor signs, because mm-hmm. you see so many things that are happening today are, are simply signs of like people who are put in power who are un- people mm-hmm. who um, People who are unjust put in positions of power that, that they're not worthy of. Um, there's other situations where it's like things will be widespread. And there's so many things that will be widespread. And, and oh, sorry. Do I forgot there's like a big ant here? Okay. But there's just so many things that by looking at the signs of day of judgment, you can look at how our world is today, how our society is today. And you can look back and just be like, this is something... The Prophet I'm already mentioned will happen. Yeah, sorry, I said I'm already mentioned will happen. So it's like I encourage you guys all to look into that and just to keep, keep trying, keep pushing yourself to learn more about our religion. And even if, let's say, you go to a class and they're going about they're going over something you learned in what middle school, that's mm-hmm. still really good. Like we mentioned, the first story you mentioned today was something maybe we learned a couple years back. But it's still good to retain that knowledge. You know what I'm saying? If you don't, if you don't use that knowledge, you're going to lose it. Yeah. So I feel like it's very important to like go back and review your old lessons that maybe you've learned. And yeah, it can be sometimes dry, you know, some things that we feel like doesn't really um pertain to us, but it does, you know. It really <laughs> does. Every part of Islam does pertain to us, whether we think it does or it doesn't, because we're all a ummah, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So every every we have a part we are a part of parts 
so it's it's literally perfect you know mm-hmm. so i really recommend you guys to just keep on striving to learn more mm-hmm. this knowledge is it's so much you know mm-hmm. i have one question for you man yes ma'am one last question so what specific thing in islam made you change your perspective in life entirely what specific thing hmm. i feel if, like there's yeah okay so i feel like there's a couple but if i had to say like what was the main 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 specific thing i would say remembering death that's me because mm-hmm. i i actually find interest in learning about things that i don't know i know it sounds <laughs> weird i but i prefer to learn about things that i don't know or i prefer to learn about things that my brain cannot comprehend because that's how it shows me that I don't know everything. So when I started learning about what happens to our soul after death or what happens within the grave, not only did it place fear into my heart, like obviously you're supposed to fear Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala and love him at the same time, but your love should be obviously more. It it like it changed how I viewed this world because I feel like we all had that quote unquote unhealthy attachment to whether it's friends, whether it's um tangible things, whether it's um clothes, all of these things we're not going to take with us. So I think I started after I started learning more about death or obviously we have to remember death often and just learning about the journey that happens after death. It just made me kind of look at everything else different and it made me appreciate being best being blessed with Islam more. I love that answer. Yeah. How about you? What okay. do you think? For me, I feel like it's kind of similar. Mhm. But basically, what I feel like is that when I said like I feel like as I got older, I was like, "Oh, but no one else has to do this, but I have to do this, but no one else has to do this." But then I think about it. I think about it. I was like, "I wish I could do this." But then it hit me. And I think about it. I'm like, but if i died today but if i like died today if i decide not to pray one salah and i died right then when i was supposed to be praying mhm exactly would, like what would happen to me you see what would happen to you that's what i it like it motivates me it's like there's so many things there's so many um like in the Quran we learn about in the Quran you learn about the punishments right of the, of what people have done in their life what you have put forth what you have died upon you will be resurrected upon That's- so when when i hear that i'm like okay listen i'm not perfect i'm nowhere near perfect but one thing that i pray Allah Subhanahu allows us all to have is to end to have a good ending you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying because even um our actions are based on its ending good deeds all of these are based on its endings obviously we have an intention for whatever we do but it's based on its ending and so even when i see you know on the news and stuff like even they say like, you know muslim teenagers maybe have died in certain places and it's like it's not like you think that you're better of them not at all but it's like may allah never allow us to die in a state that we would not mm-hmm. want to be resurrected upon or we wouldn't want to mm-hmm. we wouldn't want to die at you know what i'm saying or even dying doing an action Yeah, may Allah protect us from that. I mean, it, it's yeah. I think people don't really take that into I think because if you don't remember death often, you think that this world is forever and you go about it differently than someone who is taking death into consideration. Mm-hmm. So they're looking, they're saying nafsi, nafsi, nafsi. They're looking at themselves. They're not saying, "Okay, well, Rukhaya is doing this for Rukhaya." You don't you don't focus on people mm-hmm. that much when you're thinking about yourself. When you're thinking about because on the day of judgment, a mother is not going to be worrying about her child. You know? Yeah, saying? like um the ayah in surah Yeah, exactly so you have to understand that we're all gonna be we're all gonna be basically accountable for ourselves that's what i'm trying to say we're all gonna be accountable for ourselves so when you when you truly look and i feel like a lot of people like if you go to some of these therapists you know, people who are not muslim and you tell them about this like you know what this sounds like depression and you're thinking about death but it's like no <laughs> no let me tell you this is not when you think about death i feel like it's different obviously it's scary to think about it but the fact that we don't deny it it's something and oh my goodness i i'm not sure if, I can, if you know this ay
that you are running from will find you. And I don't know which Aya that is. I know what you're talking about. I don't know the Aya either. Exactly. I can't remember. But if you guys can search up in your own time, but just it in the Quran, it talks about death often. People will remember death often. It's something that's inevitable. So why yes. run from it? And you, you know what? Yeah. Sorry. No, no. Listen, we have to. We have to accept it. Other day, but she she was like, people were like, oh, how do you remember to pray? That's what people kept on asking her. She was like, you know how I remember to pray? I just think about if I miss my salat right now, what if I died? <laughs> what if I died? Yeah. And I was like, wait, that's the exact way I think about it. And I know a lot of again, our family friend was talking about the way people uh, the way people deal with certain things because some people that's scary for someone to think about when they think about their prayer. They may not want to think about, oh my God, what if I die right now? But when you remember death, your kushu, your concentration is prayer, is it hits different. It mm-hmm. really does. And not only that, I feel like some people, they think of the mercy of Allah as well. Both are very good. I'm just saying for some people, that will help them better in their prayer. But some people may be like, you know what? I remember to pray because it's my sense of ease every day. It's my sense of talking to God every single day. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I don't know, in a lecture, obviously we do this every day. We probably didn't really ponder upon it. But in Surah Fatiha, because you know your prayer is not valid without Surah Fatiha when you're mm-hmm. in your prayer, when we say guide us upon the straight path, we are asking Allah to guide us more than I don't even know how many times a day. Like if we truly understand that and look at that, we're literally asking Allah Taala to guide us, you know, and not to make us like those who earned His anger or those who are the wrongdoers, and that's really important. Because we're act, we're asking for for these things every time we're praying, and we may not even realize it. So when you get in, like I, I think we mentioned in the other podcast, when you get into the meaning of what you are saying and you allow it to hit your heart, your prayer is different. You know what I'm saying? We all have to work on that. So, so, so many things, yeah, there's so many things you can add to your prayer as well. You the thing you saying about Surah Fatiha, I was counting it in my mind. So you say Surah Fatiha. 17 times a day not counting um prayers or any extra prayer just your fart just your fart prayers you say it 17 times exactly and you're praising and let's say um you know inshallah we're all doing our dhikr and everything but within surah fatiha when you said alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin like all praise be to the rabbil alamin to the to the Lord of the Worlds, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, the most merciful, especially merciful, Maliki Yomitin, the King of of the King of the the day, the hour, all that. Iyakin Abudu wa Iyakin Astain. Like there's this Surah Fatiha. If you look at the Tafsir, there are hour-long lectures about just this Surah, and it's so powerful. And there's so many names that people have given Surah Fatiha as well. Like it's the opener. It can be a Shifa. You know, and you know, I guess you can say what is like an ease or like a healing, a healing for people. And so I don't know when you look at this surah, like allow it to hit your heart. Go over the meanings before your next prayer and just allow it to fully hit your heart. And even before a lot of my um, after doing my Quran classes, my teacher always tells me anything that I've memorized. She says, say it in your prayer. She always tells me to do that. And at first I was like, huh? I was like, I mean, I could always just memorize it until I get it correct. But even if I'm not finished with the surah, she says, if you have six ayahs out of 30 ayahs memorized, it helps. say those six ayahs in your prayer and it, you will retain, inshallah, it will retain with you. Inshallah. It really does help, honestly. Because I remember one of our family friends who used to be my Quran teacher, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yes. Shout out <laughs> to you. <laughs> so she used to tell me the same exact thing. And I used to do that. And I think that's why, because for a long time, I never reviewed um, last juz after I fully memorized it. But I'd always recite it in my salat. Like, I recite every surah in last juz. Like, yeah, but it's like my, muscle memory. It's and really like I, muscle memory. I, I never lost it. I knew it, though. Back in the day, I didn't review it. But before, I used to just recite it in my prayers all the time. And I never lost it. I review it now. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I'm telling you, you guys. Like... Even if you're starting from Juzama, because a lot of us are maybe start like you may have some surahs from Juzama and we're going back to, or maybe you may know none of the Quran and you're starting from Juzama or you're starting from the beginning of the Quran. Mm-hmm. You have to make sure you're doing revision because like I mentioned before, if you do not use it, you will lose it. 
So mm-hmm. maybe you're doing you maybe you guys you and your friends can do like a Quran circle. Maybe you guys, especially during Ramadan, you guys read Quran together. Go over your memorized uh, things that you already have memorized because you're like, oh, I already have it memorized. But make sure you're saying it correctly. I know so many times I'm like, yeah, I have these parts that just I'm memorized. I'll say it to my teacher, and she's like, Maria, this part you're not saying correctly. Like you have to make sure you're giving every word its due part, especially with the Quran. You have to make sure you're giving it its due, its right, because even a ha- one haraka off can mean a whole different meaning you might be like blessed the believers and you might be say blessed something else you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. so you have to watch. It's, especially, it's, it can be scary seriously so some words it's so true because i remember with um date palm and honey mm-hmm. are those nahla and na'la they're so similar but exactly and you're here when you're i was unintentionally changing the words i accidentally mixed them up and that's also what's it called kamar and qamar oh so yeah <laughs> then, you guys are saying alcohol right and not um what's it called the moon <laughs> like imagine you know what i'm saying there's so many times within the quran that allah is swearing upon these things you don't want to say buy the alcohol you know what I'm <laughs> Astaghfirullah, you don't want to say those types of things. And it, that's why obviously Allah says in the Quran why he made the Quran in Arabic. You know, some people, you may find it hard. It's not that it's not, but there's a reason. There's an behind why he made this. And, and he says in the Quran that it's easier for us to understand. You know, and you might be like, well, I'm a non-Arabic speaker. How is this easier for me to understand? You have to make sure it's, it's, like, it's like when you learn something, even within the English grammar. We don't know everything. We yeah. don't, you know? So when we're learning that, you know, you might be like, English is so easy for me, but is it? Because there's so many things you may not know. So even within the Quran, if you're starting from like day one, it, you know, you'll get there inshallah, especially when you make dua that, you know, you're able to retain that and act upon it. And inshallah, it'll be easy upon you. There's so many people that I know who maybe were, had like nothing about Arabic, nothing. Maybe I've seen people on YouTube know nothing about Arabic, but they were being consistent. That's, what, that's the key, being consistent with memorization and also learning the Tajweed rules and also just learning Arabic in general and their Tajweed, their pronunciation, all of that has gotten so much better. So I definitely recommend that for myself and for everyone else. Well, thank you for being on this episode. Yes. I love having you here. You're practically like a co-host now. Literally. You and Khadija have been on these episodes. You guys are like co-hosts now. Literally, I, I loved it. And I hope that this was an episode that people are able to ponder upon. And inshallah, you know, after listening to it, be like, wow, subhanAllah, you know? Yes. The amount of times we said subhanAllah this episode. Yes, you guys never stop praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and never stop giving him glory, the glory that he deserves. Mm-hmm. Thank you for being on this episode, Mariam. You're so welcome. I'm so amazing having you here, like as usual. Thank you so much. And I will definitely be back, you guys. So stay tuned. I'll be back. I'll be back, inshallah. Inshallah. Thank you for watching this episode of Breaking Barriers. My name is Rahaya Wright, and I can't wait to keep the conversation going.